Welcome to the Unfeigned Faith Bible Study, where we'll be doing a weekly Bible study, typically going through a book of the Bible together, and uh, this will go alongside our regular Unfeigned Faith podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Today, we're going to close out the book of Colossians, and uh, and basically, Paul has said everything he's wanted to say and, uh, and kind of laid out everything, uh, instruction emphasizing uh, Christ's preeminence and emphasizing um, our attention, if you would, towards the body as it relates to, to the head, to Christ. And um, now, when we, when we get to the salutation part, whether it be the introduction of an epistle or the closing, if we're, if we're not careful, sometimes we just kind of see a bunch of names and they're hard to pronounce and we just kind of jumble through them and maybe miss what's being said. And I think there's some awesome truths uh, at this point um, that I'm hoping that we can uh, pull out. And so we're in verse number seven. And uh, and he says, uh, All my state shall uh, uh, Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. And so, so Tychicus is going to deliver this letter uh, 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 to the Colossians to them. And he's going to update them. Maybe as he's closing, he kind of puts his pen down and he looks up and he sees uh, Tychicus there sitting with him. And he says, here, here, I want you to share this with them when you go see them, this church, and uh, tell them about my estate. Tell them how I, how I'm doing and, and tell them, uh, tell them how, you know, how my needs are and just, just kind of update them on how I'm doing. Because of course, Paul is, uh, is in prison there. And he says he's a, uh, he's a beloved brother. He's a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord. And, uh, and uh, what's kind of neat is, is the, the scriptures. And, he, you know, he kind of, uh, you know, this is um, a letter inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. But behind the letter, there is a human author. And there are things going on in his life. And there's background. There's a story here. And it's one of the things I love about how God brought us the scriptures, that he used uh, people Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And you see, it wasn't just uh, some tablets that had descended from heaven and found in the backside of nowhere in New York and take special spectacles to read it uh, like the Mormons believe. No, no, God used men, used people and spoke through them. And, uh, and, and that's what we see here. And so, so this kind of part of the backstory is he's delivering this inspired scripture to this church, this is where Paul's at. And he's, he's, uh, uh, another thing to, to consider is how Paul, many times he kind of brought it about to, to individuals and to persons. And, uh, and he's going to name several names here in this portion. And, uh, so a faithful minister, fellows from the Lord, uh, verse eight, whom I have sent unto you for this same purpose, uh, that he might know, uh, that he might know your estate and comfort your heart. So he's going to send them. To, to, to share his, how he's doing, but also to find out how the church is doing and to, to report back to him and to, to, to kind of, um, give this and to comfort their hearts, to tell them, Hey, Paul's doing well. Um, you know, and here's the update and to be a comfort to them. And then he said he's also with verse nine, uh, One, Onesimus. Uh, Onesimus is, uh, we read about him in the book of Philemon. He was Philemon's slave. And, uh, and he got saved through the ministry of Paul and he was freed through the ministry of Paul. And so he's there, Onesimus, uh, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. So apparently he, <coughs> excuse me, he, he's from the church at Colossae. He's, he grew up with him. He's one of you. He's part of their body. And, uh, 
Uh, by the way, the, the, see, these are things that are important because you'll see in the New Testament there's connections with individual bodies, uh, uh, the, 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 the connections with those churches as God calls us to be members, to be participants of those local churches. And, uh, and so, um, so he says this, he's faithful, beloved brother, uh, one who is, uh, is one of you. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. So uh, uh, Onesimus and uh, Tychicus, they're going to deliver this letter and they're going to update them. And he's sitting there as he's finishing it up and he's saying, I can see him just kind of looking at these two and telling them, hey, I want you guys to, to update the church and let them know what's going on with me. Um, find out how they're doing. And uh, so we can kind of keep this communication open. And, um, and so, so, so this is kind of Paul's heart. You know, I want to make sure this message gets out. I want to make sure it's done well. Verse number 10, uh, Aristarchus, Aristarchus, there it is, Aristarchus, excuse me, my fellow prisoner, salute you. Now, why, why is he not going to go touch base with them? Because he's a prisoner with Paul. All right. There's Aristarchus. He says, salute you. And, and the word salute is not just a greeting, not just hello, hello, though it's included in that, but it's, it's to speak of in a high regard. And, and, uh, this church no doubt was near to, to his heart. And, and, uh, and, and these are all folks, uh, by whom he learned of this church. Remember in chapter one, he says, from when I first heard of your faith and I, I heard about you guys. And these are the ones by whom he got the report that he had heard about it. <laughs> so this, uh, uh, th this fellow prisoner, he says, salute you. And Marcus, uh, sister's son to Barnabas. Uh, you remember Barnabas in the book of Acts. This is his nephew, Marcus, or uh, you might know him as John Mark, the writer of the gospel of Mark. All right. Uh, now this, this I love, the story of Marcus. John Mark went with Paul and Barnabas on a missionary journey. And somewhere along the way, he abandoned them. He couldn't take it. He was just, he was done and he left them. This bothered Paul tremendously. So later on, he wants another chance. And Paul says, no way, Jose, uh, you're not getting another chance. Barnabas, his name means son of consolation. He, he's one that loves to give people a second chance. And in fact, he gave Paul another chance. He was the, one of the first ones to connect with Paul after his conversion. And that's his character. That's who he is. And uh, so he basically says, well, I'll go with my nephew. We'll go this way. Paul took Silas and they went this way. All right. Fast forward now. And John Mark is profitable for the ministry. Mark is here. And uh, um, so, so he says, we salute you and Marcus, uh, sister, son of, uh, to Barnabas, uh, touching whom you receive commandments. If he came unto you, receive him. So he's letting him know, hey, if Mark comes, uh, receive him. You know, he says in, in 2 Timothy, he says, he's been profitable to me for the ministry. You know, um, Paul could have continued to go on about, uh, about the issue of, of his lack of character and, uh, and failing. And, uh, and I just love the spirit of Paul. You know, uh, we ought to be ready to forgive. We ought to be ready to give people a second chance. The benefit of the doubt, all right? Uh, has God shown grace to you? Uh, how many times I've messed up, how many times I've made wrong decisions or, or maybe didn't follow through. And, and, uh, and I think about how the grace of God was shown in my life. And, uh, you know, if we dwell and if we think about that, it's gonna be so much easier to show grace to others. Uh, I will never trust them after they did such and such. They've, they've, they've blown it in my mind, you know, uh, be careful. Uh, that's not how God has treated us. And we need to be careful with that. And so, 
Um, so he says, well, if he comes to you, I want you to receive him. Verse number 11, in Jesus, which is called justice. Now, uh, Jesus was a very common name in those days, and uh, so was justice. This was his surname. This is the name he went by. And uh, this is pretty much all we know of him. Uh, you know, and he says, who are of the circumcision? Now, now this next group, this uh, uh, Aristarchus, uh, um, the fellow prisoner, Marcus, and this Jesus, surname Justice, uh, these are the Jews that he kind of brings attention to. And, then, and now he says something here, and I want to draw attention to this. This is going to be a Bible study aspect of this. Um, it says, these only, I want to emphasize that, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Now, what's interesting here, this is a very dispensational passage. Now, what I mean by that is this. Most of Christianity today miss, misses what we talked about earlier, the mystery. The mystery of God, what he's doing today. And what they've done is they've lumped everything together. So they'll talk about how we are the kingdom. The kingdom is within us. We, we, we talk about all these things. And, and the reality is this, the kingdom is yet to come. And it's a Jewish kingdom. It's a kingdom that is a fulfillment of prophecy. Now, he says, these are of the circumcision. These ones exclusively, he mentions, uh, 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 Aristarchus, Marcus, and Jesus, or Justice. These only, he says, uh, th that are with him, are they're Jews. And he says, they are the only ones who are fellow workers under the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? It's the future kingdom. So this tells me a couple of things. First of all, again, that is Jewish, because these are the circumstances. He doesn't mention that the others, he said, he said that, that Tychicus was a beloved brother, fellow minister, and faithful servant. How come he didn't include Tychicus in this idea of being a fellow worker of the kingdom of God? If he was a faithful servant, well, he's a Gentile. How come he didn't mention uh, uh, Onesimus as one of them? Uh, because, uh, you see, these were Gentiles. But the Jewish ones of the circumcision that were with him, he says these are the only ones that were with, the, that, 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 that he says are the only ones uh, that are my fellow workers under the kingdom. Uh, that's a really interesting statement. He doesn't have anybody else. That's, uh, so this tells me two things. First of all, uh, the Jewish aspect of it. Second of all, that Jerusalem is still intact, meaning the kingdom offer is still open. Now, this is interesting. We'll get into this more as we talk about dispensationalism. But the kingdom offer that Jesus started with went into the book of Acts and went into this, uh, really, I believe, till about 70 AD when, uh, when the temple was destroyed and Jerusalem was destroyed. Uh, I believe that was signifying uh, the end of the invitation, the, the, the kingdom offer, all right? And, uh, and full-blown then into this age of grace that we are in today. But there was a, a crossover time period, whereas the Gentiles were starting to get saved and, and so forth. Um, uh, and then, you know, that was part of Jesus' prophecy even of how one stone will not be left unturned upon another. That's what happened in 70 AD, the destruction of Jerusalem. And so I believe that was a, um, uh, that was a big part of uh, of what was going on there. So, so these three, he makes a very explicit point that they are my fellow workers under the kingdom of God. I want to say this, the kingdom of God is not yet. Uh, the kingdom of God is going to be physical. It's a literal kingdom. Uh, and it's going to be future. It's not now. It's future. All right. You know, people always talk about, I'm doing kingdom work. I'm doing kingdom work. No, no, I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm preaching salvation. 
uh, we're in the church age. Now, now uh, you say, well, if it's a Jewish kingdom, what role do believers have? We have a role. We're going to be part of it. But the, the, the emphasis on it is going to be the apple of God's eye, the Jewish nation, his people. All right. And, uh, and I know uh, a lot of Christians, you know, uh, there's a big problem with Reformed theology as it lumps it all together. And a lot of even dispensationalists kind of get stumbled up with this. And I'm, you know, I, I'm personally still trying to work through it as I, as I started studying scripture. And this is a rightly dividing the word of truth. What are the divisions? And I'm starting to realize this is, this is starting to make more sense as we find out where those divisions are. And, and this is just one of those passages that emphasizes the truth that these the Jewish uh, believers that were with Paul were, were doing the work of the kingdom of God as it was still open. All right, the invitation, if you would, the offer of the kingdom. And, uh, and, and so, so I want to kind of emphasize that as a, as a dispensation. We're going to go through a series on what is dispensationalism and, and how it impacts the way we look at scriptures. All right, but I want to kind of whet your appetite with that just a little bit. Verse number 12, Epaphras who is one of you? Now, um, we don't know for sure, but I believe Epaphras was very likely the pastor of the Church of Colossae. And, uh, and, and he gives some, some emphasis, uh, some, some things about this position of the pastor of this church, and really, to us, um, uh, what a pastor should be like. One of the things he says, he's a servant, uh, or, or first of all, he says he's one of you. I want to say this. I was actually talking to somebody about this today. One of the best things a church can do, a healthy church, is to raise up a pastor from within. You see, uh, uh, in America, we have this idea, we always go outside to get a pastor, and we want credentials, we want all these things. And it takes a good three to five years for that pastor to even, uh, uh, his heart and the church's heart to really align and, and understand ministry philosophy, understand the area, and so forth. Uh, whereas in this case, Epaphras was one of them. Uh, he came up through them. He understands, uh, Colossi. He understands the culture there. He understands this particular church and, and how important it is, uh, uh, to, you know, cause the pastor needs to be one of them. And, uh, but it takes time to become one of them when you go outside. And, you know, that's what we do in missions. Uh, when we go to foreign lands, uh, one of the goals of a good church planting missionary is that I'm looking for a faithful man or maybe a couple men that I can train that one day they will take over the work because they're one of them. We use that over there, but for some reason we abandon that principle here on the home front. And I just want to kind of point that out. Epaphras, who's one of you, a servant of Christ. Okay, you know, talking about if, if this is the pastor, this is a very important emphasis, a servant of Christ. When we stop being a servant of Christ and become servants of men, that's when we start falling. That's when we will fall away doctrinally. Uh, that's when we will fall away ethically uh, because we're, we're aiming to please men. And let me just say, when you are aiming to please men, guess what? People that want that are going to come. You're going to fill the church. It's going to be full because it's all about the people. All right. Uh, but first and foremost, a God-called pastor is a servant of Christ. And as he serves Christ, he serves the people. But he serves Christ. You see, the reality is, I don't work for my church. I work for Christ. I serve Christ. I'm, I, 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 I'm employed, if you would, by Christ. Um, now, I'm thankful the church pays me, and I'm thankful for those things, but the reality is, my position is, I serve Christ, all right, and and and, and that's that's where I ought to be. 
if uh, when we lose sight of that, we become a hireling. You say, what's a hireling? His number one priority in his job, he uh, uh, he he has to uh, please the people. The Bible even talks about that. They serve their own bellies and not Christ. Uh, you say, what does that mean, serve their bellies? They're working for a paycheck. And uh, so then your job is to, to make sure everyone's happy rather than focusing on what the needs of the people are. This is so important. And so he's serving of Christ. Paphras, who's one of you, a uh, servant of Christ, saluteth you. He, he says hi, okay, and uh, speaks highly of them. Always laboring fervently for you in prayer. There's, there is a, a, a key component, a priority of a pastor. Always laboring in prayer for you. Uh, my day started off with a hospital visit today, and, and one of the ladies in our church having some heart problems had to get a pacemaker put in and a stent, and uh, and I headed right over there and, and uh, was calling out to God with her husband there in the parking lot uh, of the hospital. They're not letting visitors in, but we're crying out to the Lord. That's one of my jobs. Uh, in fact, it's a primary job. And he says this, uh, we're laboring fervently in prayer. Here's the prayer. Here's here's how he's praying. That ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Remember the first half, uh, beginning uh, portion of the Colossians. That's what he wanted for them. Very general and kind of vague. But he says he wants them to fully understand and walk in the will of God. Now he's reiterating, hey guys, you're a pastor. You know what he's been doing? He's been away from you. First of all, he's been telling me about how wonderful of a church you are. and uh, But he says he's always laboring in prayer that you guys would walk in the will of God. You know, that's my prayer as a pastor. I go through our church roster and I look at the names and I take notes sometimes. And, and what am I doing? I, I'm, I'm pleading with God that they would understand and walk in the knowledge of the will of God, that they'd know what it is to walk in the will of God and, and to, and to live, uh, live their lives for Him. And then He says this, that you may stand perfect, complete in the will of God. Verse 13, for I bear Him record that He has a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in, uh, uh, uh Hierapolis. So, so the word there, zeal, is where we get the, you know, uh, zealous. It's also uh, where we get the word jealous. Uh, uh, it's a, it's a strong passion that he has. He is so passionate about his church, the church that God has allowed him to be a part of, allowed him to pastor and to lead there. He has a great zeal for them, but also for the neighbors, those that are at Laodicea and then Colossians and Laodicea, they, they, they had a, a strong relationship with those churches. And, and boy, there's a lesson right there. Today, churches can't agree on anything. They can't get together. I'm talking like-minded churches. You know, I remember talking with one man from the Bible Belt area, and he said, uh, he said, brother, he said, there are 20 like-minded Baptist churches in our county. He said, not two of them can get together on anything. Oh, what a sad state we're in today when it's a competition. All right. And, uh, but, but what was it? They, they reached out to their sister church and, and had a zeal for them in Laodicea and, and, uh, uh, Hierapolis. And then he goes on, Luke, Luke, the beloved physician. I love how Luke just kind of, I was always there in the background. Luke, he's the writer of the gospel of Luke and the writer of the book of Acts. Beloved physician. And uh, he said, boy, I'm just so thankful that he's here with me. And Demas, this was before Demas, uh, as he wrote those sad letters, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. But at this time, Demas was there to encourage him. Remember by the end of the second Timothy, how sad and down Paul seemed to be. 
He said, everyone has abandoned me except, you know, a couple of guys here. At this point, there were still some people that were not ashamed of his bonds that were there with him. And he said, so, so, uh, uh, so Epaphras and, uh, Demas and, uh, uh, and Luke, we, they all greet you as well. He says, salute the brethren which are at Laodicea. You know, as you pass this scripture on this letter and, uh, and he says, and, uh, and, and Nymphus and the church which is in his house. Uh, so this person, Nymphus, uh, by the way, um, it's interesting in uh, some translations, it says in her house, Nymphus is written in the masculine as a person and the church, probably the church at Laodicea, uh, met in this person's home. By the way, church is not a building. It's an assembly. And they met in his home and, uh, and he says, hey, make sure you greet that church, this house church here. All right. Uh, and then he says, and when this epistle is read among you, Cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans. This is where we talk about inspiration and preservation. He says, pass this note around. This isn't just for you at Colossae. This is for all the churches. So when you guys are done with it, copy it down, whatever you need to do, pass it on to Laodiceans. Because they need to hear these truths too. This is scripture. This is inspired, preserved scripture that the Holy Ghost through man has given to us. And it says, and say to, uh, to uh, Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Uh, so, so, so this guy, Archippus, God's given him his ministry. And he says, make sure, you know, I don't know where he was at this time. Maybe Paul discerned from the Spirit of God that he was discouraged. Maybe he was even thinking of quitting. He said, take heed. Tell him warning. And, and, and to fulfill, to complete the ministries received. You know, this goes with the theme of, of, of Colossians to continue in these things and to, and to, to fulfill the will of God for, and, and so forth. And then he says, the salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds. Grace be with you. Amen. And, uh, and what a, what a wonderful tone. What a wonderful, uh, um, study this has been. I love the book of Colossians. I've fallen in love with it during this study. It's been so rich. One last thing I just want to draw out though is, Notice Paul's just concern for the individuals. He's listing these people. Uh, he's got so much on his plate, the care of all these churches, imprisonment and all this. And he's saying, hey, here's some guys. They've been faithful to me. Be a blessing to them. Hey, receive Mark. He's been a blessing and an encouragement. And, and he's listing these people. Hey, hey, these three Jewish Jewish brothers, they've uh, they've been uh, awesome workers as far as the kingdom work. These others have been awesome servants as far as uh, this mystery work, this mystery age we're in, as, as he's kind of balancing both at this point and um, and going through all this and but I love the emphasis on, on on Mark who had led him down before and he's saying he's he's faithful he's a good worker for the cause of Christ and uh, and uh, boy what a, what a challenge to us to uh, to give people the benefit of the doubt remember the positives and, and you know we're gonna work through guess what we all mess up we're in this flesh it stinks <laughs> all right and uh and we're we're working on it. god's working in us and one day we'll be like him but until then let's show the same grace that god has shown to us and let's be a blessing and so i hope that was a help to you 